Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. We are so grateful that you have joined us today, whether it's the morning, afternoon, or evening. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Sua, are you doing well? You always ask me this, and I always feel like I say I'm doing well, but I'm actually not, not doing super well. I'm super sleepy well. right now. Yeah, why? My why kids are you, why are you? have yeah. been sick. I keep testing them for Corona, mm-hmm. but it's not apparently. Although those rapid corona. tests are extremely not accurate, so maybe it is Corona. Although who cares anymore? <laughs> I don't feel like anyone's tracking COVID anymore. Yeah. Um. But yeah, my kids have both been sick this week, so I'm running on like two hours of sleep. I might need to do some heavy editing. Okay. On this okay. Episode. Well, listen, hey, I'm actually, I'm in a really good mood today. Oh. You, you want to know why? I do want to know why. Because I looked at our chartables. Oh, God, here we go. I looked at where we're at, and I'm in an excellent mood. And I want to share with you how much our, yes, let our us podcast know. is growing. Let so, our listeners know how of, well we're doing. Why, why, out of all the podcasts in the world, globally, all right, all, everything, <laughs> we are ranked. You ready for this? Ten thousand two hundred forty-eight. <laughs> That's not bad. I mean, what? I mean, Sue, there's got to be what, like twenty, thirty thousand podcasts around the world. Are you sure right? there's not like ten thousand five hundred? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. So, I mean, okay, well, those that number is kind of, but okay, but in the U.S., out of all the podcasts in the U.S., mm-hmm. we are ranked seven thousand four hundred and fourteen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why? I feel like this is depressing. That put me in a good mood. That put me in a good mood. All right. And you ready for this, though? Globally, globally. You already did ter- globally. No, 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 no. In terms of podcasts that are religious or oh, spiritual okay. Okay. In, in topic, okay. we are ranked 563. Hey, that's not bad. That is really that good. That is not bad. 563. Because a lot ter- of those must be church sermons. Right. From like the Sunday? Right, right. Because so a lot of churches have podcasts, but it's a bad. survey. It's not bad, right? Not bad. Okay. So, but in the U.S., in the U.S., drum roll, we are, in terms of uh, religion and spirituality, we are ranked 433. Do most of the religion and spirituality podcasts come from the U.S.? I don't know. Because that's not like no a idea. big jump from the global I religion know, and spirituality. We're in the top 400. I mean, that's Are you, not bad. I think you're an optimist, aren't you? Listen, Sua, <laughs> we just started this thing in February. It's not bad at all. I think that's pretty good. But, I mean, it, but listen, you're not but, wrong. You ready for this? In Uganda. I don't know Uganda? why. Okay. <laughs> in Uganda. Uganda, we are ranked in religion and spirituality 219. Stop. Yes, we are. I'm not. I'm Stop. not. I'm not lying. In terms of religion and spirituality, spirituality, we are ranked 219. So, Uganda? if you're listening from Uganda, thank you so thank much you for so listening. Thank you so much, Ugandan friends. You got us in the top 200. So, I mean, listen. Even in Uganda, there's 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 over 200 podcasts in religion and spirituality. So, can you just imagine the U.S.? It's got to be tens of thousands. Wait, but- That's not bad. Wait, hold on, hold on, what? hold on. I don't know if I'm reading these stats wrong, but I don't think it means that we're the we're 200th in the Ugandan podcasts. I think it means that we're 200 out of all of the religion and spirituality podcasts together in terms of like listeners in Uganda. Because okay, Uganda. I don't know if I'm making this. So for example, like it's not like in Uganda you can only listen to podcasts that are made in Uganda. I think no, what no, it no, means no. is that right. In that country. We're very popular compared to the other religion and spirituality podcasts yes. in Uganda because in our Uganda. numbers are so yes. much higher in Uganda than here in America. Okay. Yeah. 
That's that's exactly right. And we should Which celebrate. Which is very puzzling. I mean, very exciting, but also a bit puzzling. Like, who do you know in Uganda? I don't, I don't know anyone. I have no idea. I have no, maybe somebody was visiting uh, in the States and they went to Uganda. And so if you're listening and you're in Uganda right now, I really do want you to email us or yeah, comment. Please let us and know. Say, let us know. Say, listen, I listened to you in Uganda and this is the reason why you're 219 in Uganda. But again... For our audience, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, you know, this is great to kind of get these numbers. And I looked at it recently and I was just like, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. I feel good about this. You're our numbers person because I don't ever look at those charts. I do. I look at them. I look at them all the time. And so, listen, you know, one day we're going to get under 10,000 globally. That's our what goal. A goal. Under 10,000. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> what are we right now? Twenty thousand? No, we're ten thousand. Oh, right. Okay. Two hundred and forty-eight. All right. right. And, okay. In, in okay. the U.S. Okay. Out of all the podcasts in the U.S., we're seven. We can break into the ten thousands. Right. I have faith right. that we can break break into the ten thousands. I think so too. I think so too. So anyway, yeah, we got to celebrate when we do that, and we'll let you know when we break under ten thousand. We'll and have think, to. We'll have to do something fun. I don't know yet what it is, but we'll have to do something. I fun. don't know either. All right. So Sue, I have a I have a, a question that I think our audience needs to know more about you and this would be nice because if if our audience ever gets an opportunity to, to meet you um we got we have to know some things about you so we don't get you upset all right so the question you I already have, know what i'm gonna say aren't, yeah you? yeah the question i have is what are like what gets you peeve like what is a pet peeve of yours like a pet peeve like a legit pet peeve like if if, if you want somebody like you're gonna meet because your friends already know your pet peeves right but yes. like say somebody emails you and is like hey listen i want to let's get together for a cup of coffee and uh you know you, you you talk with them and so forth whatever like what do you want them to know like you better not do this because that is a pet peeve okay so i i don't know if i think i'm a pretty self-aware person and i would like to say that i i think i have a pretty high threshold for people annoying me like i don't get annoyed i think that so too. easily I, I would agree with that um I, you definitely do it's not even that i'm like this holy person it's literally that i don't many things most things in life don't annoy me like i just don't even process them it's just kind of like yeah. oh i didn't know they did that whatever uh -huh. but the one thing that really makes my blood boil like it really makes me so I angry money to see your blood boil oh my gosh so angry is when people are and the word is chronically late. Yeah. Chronically late. If you're late once or twice because there was unexpected traffic or something happened with your family, completely understandable. Yeah. These things happen. Life is un unpredictable. But, you know, you we all have those friends or acquaintances who literally are never on time, ever. That's right. Am I wrong? That's right. They're always late, no always. matter what. Even, always. And you know they're always going to be late, but you still go in, on time and they're always late. Because no matter I what. can't handle being late. And I'm also directionally challenged. Yeah. Like I am the person who the navigation judges, like our phone ways and Google Maps, because it has to be recalculating like a hundred times before I get to my destination because <laughs> I keep making the wrong turn. And then I chicken out and don't want to make a left turn here because it's a little scary. So I take a right instead. And I'm like, can you just recalculate a different route for me? So I always factor in an extra 10 to 15 minutes yeah, of a cushion yeah. because I don't want to be late because you know why? Because I am respectful of other people's time. That's okay? right. Um, I had a friend in college. You actually leave 10 to 15 minutes early. Yeah, I always do. And if I'm early, uh, well, another reason why I do that, I always leave early if I don't know what the parking situation is because I can't parallel park. Oh, you know, God. I just want to say 
a public service announcement. If you are one of those people that are walking by and see somebody parallel parking and you stop to stare, shame on you. Okay. Why? That person does not need an audience. They're it's, already having a difficult time parallel Sua, parking. Sua, they don't Sua, need people judging them. Sua, it's entertainment. Why wouldn't we stop and look at somebody really struggling to parallel park? And what, the question I have for you is this. What happened in terms of your human development that really impaired you with driving? <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, that's that's kind of harsh. Of I think like, that's a little harsh. Happened? Why do you have to question my development Sua, as a human? Because, Sua, you are... You just you call are me like, impaired. You are so like advanced in so many things. But when it comes to driving, I mean, it is so bad. Bad. Listen, I mean, so okay? bad. Listen, I am not a bad driver. Okay, I just go slow. I oh. respect the speed limit. <laughs> okay. Oh no, but you say you get lost all the time and recalculate. You That's not driving. You know. Early. Okay, so I've done some exploring. Yeah. Me getting lost has nothing to do with the actual driving. It's I I don't understand directions. Mm. So it's like if you put me on a racetrack and all I have to do is go around and around and around, I'm not a bad driver. It's just I can't follow. Like, I just don't know where I am. Like, I just spatially, I just can't figure out where to go. So, 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 so are you saying that if we put you in a racetrack and you're racing other cars, like you can compete with them? Or no, no, you no, can... no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. I don't like speed. I'm not built yeah, for exactly. speed. I don't like it. I would so throw anyone up Anyone could drive in a racetrack um, by themselves. That's my point. It's not the drive. Also, okay, can I? Listen, okay, I didn't want to do this because okay. I have respect for you, but the respect is quickly waning after you <laughs> call me impaired in my human development. Um, I'm sorry, but I have it on like very credible sources that you are also a very wild and terrible driver. Okay. I am, I am, I am, I am a so I don't know driver. where you come, you know, yelling at me and judging my driving. Maybe I'm more slow, yes. but I'm much less prone to getting into accidents by being slow. All right. Somebody apparently <laughs> over there, you know, this tall six foot four man over there at Metro, so, uh, apparently literally drives like a madman. Yeah, okay? so, uh, I have heard I, you drive like a mad man. So, uh, I've never been in an accident though. Okay, you just I, jinx, jinxed yourself. I know, seriously. Knock knock on wood. Got to knock on wood. All right. Got to knock on wood. But anyway. Okay. All right. But so, yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine. All right. Let, let's get back to focus here. Okay. People being late. What do you think it is, Sua? Why do you think people are always chronically late? If we can dissect them, and if you're listening right now, you're chronically late all the time. We're going to dissect this for a little, for a moment here. Why are people chronically late? I mean, I, I already said they're freaking selfish. They're so selfish. They think that somehow their own time is worth more than my That's time. Right. That's literally the logic. I mean, yeah. again, I don't know. I can't speak for them exactly because I've never been in a situation where I've been the chronically late person. Yeah. Yeah. But just from having, because I, okay, rewind to my college days. I had this one good friend who was chronically late. Yeah. And at one point I was living in New Jersey and she was living in Brooklyn. And we would say, okay, let's meet in front of this New York City restaurant or something like that. Okay. Remember, she's in Brooklyn. I'm in New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. I would arrive 10 minutes before her and then she would come like 30, 40 minutes later and I would be sitting there waiting for her. Wow. And I would be so angry because no. all you had to do was hop on a, a yes. train and yeah, I had to commute a across a freaking body of water. That's not, that's not, that's not a friend. That's but not a friend. She would do that. <laughs> That's not a friend. You got to excommunicate yourself from her. Repeatedly, okay? That and, is nuts. And finally, I got to this one point where yeah. I was like, 
can we have a frank discussion about Good. why you do this? Yes. And it, it, my conclusion from having that conversation, another person who was also chronically late is my husband. When we oh. used to date, I would sit there, kid you not, with my, my bag and my shoes on, even my sunglasses on, waiting for him, and he would be 30 minutes late. Oh my like goodness. every time he would say, I'll pick you up at seven. He would come at like 730, 740. <laughs> and I'm literally sitting there with my shoes on starting at 655. So, how you many, know, how, like, is that one of the main causes of your fights? Because he's always late. It was, it was always, that was always like, one even the, now. Yeah. Well, okay. So basically going back to your original point, after yeah. having these conversations with these people as to why they're always late. Yeah. My conclusion is that they don't want to arrive too early and they don't want to wait. So mm. they would rather waste my time because my Ooh. 30 minutes is not inconvenient for them. That's jacked up though. It's yeah. completely jacked up. That's so, why I said so, they're freaking so, selfish. So because you live with someone. I'm getting someone so worked chronic. up right now. I'm sweating. Wait, wait. My armpits yo, are take, sweating. Yo, take it easy. Take it easy. All right. I'm, so, um, be, someone hold me back. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. And you're also sleep deprived. So you're getting angry. Are you hungry? Yeah, my hormones are, are a little out of too? whack. Are you hungry? No, I actually okay, had okay. a Then You'd be angry too. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, because you live with somebody, they, mm -hmm. I think there's some accuracy there when you say because they're very self-centered, they're very mm -hmm. selfish. They want mm -hmm. to think about themselves. So yeah. that's interesting. Wow. So I, yeah, you're getting worked up. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to switch the topic here. I'm so here. sweaty. Um, yeah. You know how Koreans don't wear deodorant? <laughs> yes. Do you wear deodorant? No, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Only, so... only on Sundays because I don't want to sweat through my armpits. That's it. But It's but like my, more a my... visible thing, not like a BO Yeah, I don't thing. have BO. Yeah, I don't have BO. Yeah, I tell this to my friends in Ohio and they don't believe me. Yes. Like they well, think that I'm crazy. What's that thing that we're missing? Like that that doesn't create BO. There's some certain, kind of enzyme yeah, that is kind of under enzyme your that, Yeah, um, that we don't have. Pits. Where it doesn't create BO. But okay. And it's linked with dry earwax. Ew. So if you have yeah, if you have dry earwax, you don't have the enzyme that causes the BO chemical reaction. Yeah. Um, that's why we have like, sorry, this is totally turning into a weird topic, <laughs> but this? you know how Koreans can pick their earwax out with like yeah. an ear picker, yeah. but American, like a lot of white people, they need to suck it out because it's wet. You can't like pick it out. That's why they need those weird like candle things where they like put drip wax into your ear and then suck it out. Sorry, this is not what Yo. you signed up for when you log what into Week Faster podcast. What is this? Also, we're talking about the reason why people have bad bad odors because they got to go to the doctor and get their earwaxes taken out. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, no, there are actual shops that specialize like the all they do is they clean earwax out of white people's ears that's crazy yeah you yes. know for me i have my wife she does it for me exactly yeah she's so good but that's because we have dry earwax so we can like okay. pick it out but if you have wet earwax you can't do that really why why can't you do it if it's wet it's it's like sticky it's wet it you can't like it's not oh. crusty like you can't oh, like pick okay. it out okay interesting Sorry, this is really disgusting okay all right let's let's anyway. change topics but you know what another pet peeve of mine is yeah what's your pet peeve so i would say another pet peeve of mine is simply this and i thought about this i don't like it when people can't say yes or no and they always say maybe that's a pet peeve mm. of mine that really hold is hold on hold on can we pause for a second yes did you never have issues not being able to say no no i it's hard i know it's hard but i i like i i've i've come i've come sort of along in my life where i've realized that there are some people where it doesn't matter even if they're, they're gonna do it they'll say maybe and, and i just why? want like a yes or why a no. do they say they that? don't want to say they don't want to make a guarantee like because, they don't want to commit because just in case they can't deliver 
And so it drives huh. me nuts, man. It drives me nuts sometimes when people can't say yes or no. Sometimes it's just a simple yes or no, but they're saying maybe, maybe. But where do you think that stems from? I don't know, but it peeves. It gets under my skin. Because I'm just like, just so say yes or no. Just say yes or no. And it, it'll, it'll get me frustrated. It'll get me frustrated. And so there's this friend of mine, and he's not like, he's kind of very close. He's like a family, family friend kind of a person. And yeah, and it's like, I'll ask him, I'll say, hey, can you do this? Can you like edit a video for me? Like, I, I know it's a lot, but would you be able to do that? And, and the person will say, maybe. And I'm just like, no, I, I just need a yes or a no. Because if it's a no, then I, you know, I'll find somebody else. So it's like you have more risk. Like you would rather have them turn you down absolutely. than give you like a non-committal like absolutely, maybe. absolutely. And I just think unless unless you really mean the maybe, but if 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 the reason why you can't say yes or no is just because you don't want to make a commitment, that really gets under my skin. Like it yeah. really does. Yeah. And so the longer I'm in a relationship with someone and if they keep saying maybe to me, like I get so annoyed and it doesn't make me want to ask them for anything because I just know what they're going to say. And uh, and so anyways, it's definitely a pet peeve of mine. That's so interesting. I've never maybe. heard of that one before. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I also know you don't like people that are chronically late. Um, I do not like that. Well, I mean, that's, that's a pet peeve of mine. That's why like, you shared it, but it really Wait, do you is. have any more? No, I think that. Well, I th all right. So another one of mine is all right. This is my last. Are you gonna one. say people who drive slowly? <laughs> no, no. Because that's me. Actually, it is a pet peeve of mine. But you know, I I now you know what I see now when I see a slow driver ahead me? of me. No, I don't just see you, but I'm just thinking God really wants me to grow in patience. Okay. Like so you he take wants it as like me a to mission. grow the fruit of the spirit. Now, if I'm in a rush and I got to get somewhere, then you are like like an enemy to me. What okay, is but wrong with that, you? Why are you? Okay, but that is. Life? Can I just tell you? I may have mentioned this before, but if there were ever a formula to make me so angry, like uh -huh. to bring out my worst version, okay, it's if we're running late somewhere and my kids or my husband are not cooperating. That it's like a surefire formula to bring yeah. out like the monster in me. Yes. yes if we're yes. running late somewhere and my kids take too long to put their shoes on or like won't get out of the car or, you know, like my husband is taking too long. Like I like something starts just boiling inside me. I love it. And I'm trying to like calm down. Like it's going to be okay. But then you like what? It, but it, it's just like something will just make me explode. Like if we took a really long time. Everyone took too long to put their socks mm -hmm. and shoes on and we're mm -hmm. already running late. And then we get in the car and then we hit traffic. It's over. It's like, over. I will just lose my crap. Listen, I can so identify with you on that one. I can so identify But you know that you. feeling, right? Like the oh, feeling I, of like that anxiety that building. to me, yeah. And like the ire building. Yeah. And you're just like, it's a combination of like anxiety and anger. Just like, oh my God. So, so I would say, you know, my wife, Jenny, she she actually is punctual. Okay. Good. You know, and stuff. She, she's not a late person. But the thing about her that gets me so annoyed sometimes, she just moves so slowly. <laughs> like she'll get out of the- Short. Like she'll be in the car- She'll take her. She'll take her time taking her seatbelt off, and I'm like out, and I'm ready. I wanted to. I want to lock the door right in the car, and I'm just waiting because I got to open the front door as well. But I'm waiting for her, and she just takes her jolly old time coming okay, out of the car. You're spinning it in like a really negative way, but some may say that it's because 
she's enjoying her life unlike some people who have like the demon of like hurriedness and like can't seem to freaking slow down even though it's like where are you going exactly like it's like in that hamilton song right like why do you do this like you're running out of time i mean yes we're all running out of time but it's like you do have that like where you just like can't slow down i can't slow down maybe maybe the problem is not her it's really not i i (laughs) We're talking about, but what gets me peeved, all right? So fine, it's fine. Actually, okay, what were you going to say? You said you had another one. Oh, another one. Uh, the other thing is grit, lack of grit sometimes. Oh. And mm. I just feel like people give up too quickly. And uh, and just like, why don't you have the grit to just plow through this? And, 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 and why do you have to run away from any type of thing that might be difficult? And grit is something that I think is important for people to have. And, you know, Angela Duckworth wrote a book on that. And uh, I think it's it's critically important for somebody to have grit. And I just think like there are there are a lot of people that really struggle with that. And I see that I see that, and, and it can get under my skin sometimes. And um, you know, sometimes I see it with my kids and things like that. And it gets under my skin. It gets me peeved sometimes. And sometimes I wonder, am I just being so judgmental? <laughs> so do you so think of yourself as a pretty gritty individual? I do. I do. I, I, I see myself as a pretty, I, I guess some of the things that I've had to go through in my life, I think has kind of built that, you know, and stuff. I've had to endure things, you know, I guess not a typical person would have to endure. Uh, part of that's just because I'm older, uh, immigrant family, you know, things like that. And so just kind of growing up in the life that I had to grow up in, in a pretty dysfunctional family, I've had to learn to build grit at a very young age for survival. Like I didn't have a choice. If I didn't build grit, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive. And so I guess, I guess, uh, you know, for me, sometimes I just, I, I, I get shocked when I, when I meet people and they're just like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I got to quit this. I got to quit that. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. You know, I just think there at some point people just like grit. And I think sometimes, and, and I think I've said this before in the podcast before, but sometimes I worry about the younger generation because I think we coddle them too much and we try to protect them, uh, overprotect them from anything hard or harsh for them to go through. And so because we protect them from that, I think what we're doing is we're, 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 we're not allowing them to grow in grit. We're not allowing them to push through. And, uh, and really growing some grit. And as a result of it, they just expect everything to come easy. And I don't think we're preparing our young people properly for adulthood because when we become an adult, things ain't easy. Things are hard. It's hard at work. It's hard in life. It's hard in marriage. It's hard in relationships with friends and family. Everything is hard. It's a challenge. And, and if we didn't know how to figure that stuff out and, and try to build grit while we were younger, I think it puts us at a tremendous disadvantage when we get older. You know, puts at a really big disadvantage when we get older. So I mean, that's that's something that I that sometimes peeves me is when I meet people and they just don't like grit. I do I do agree that there is. I mean, again, I I feel like I can't say that you're an Xer, right? Like I'm, I'm a an millennial. Xer. You're, you're um, a geriatric so, millennial. Well, yeah, yeah, geriatric emphasis on geriatric. Like I feel like it's like hard for us to talk about. Gen Z and younger because yeah. like now I just sound like a freaking boomer being like yep. oh when we were young like we had so much more grit blah 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 yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. everyone's just like tuning us out like come on old person like just go back to your like rocking chair or whatever it is <laughs> they're thinking but like you know again this is not the topic for today so I'm just gonna say this and then we should probably move on but I feel like as I get older though and maybe this is not necessarily um, mutually exclusive with the idea of being gritty but I also think that there's value in being discerning and knowing when to push through and when to walk away. Yeah. And I feel like that's also, I mean, I, I, I that doesn't necessarily mean that a person who walks away is not gritty. Yeah. I think that there are certain things that are worth 
being gritty for yeah um and certain things that you really need to just walk away from and i think i guess it's discerning yeah um, that wisdom yeah. is like what's mm. important but i think when it comes i guess you're right like when it comes to something that is very meaningful and it is worth pursuing are you going to be able to have the grit to push through oh, even man. if you face failure so i thought of a question and i like to ask you this do you think a lack of grit is connected to people feeling entitled what do you mean? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know if I'm making sense here, but do you think maybe one of the reasons why people lack grit and, and pushing things through is because in some ways they just feel like entitled, like they're too good for this or, you know, that they, they do something better and their life should be just perfect all the time. And that's where they're going to walk away, you know, from certain things because they have sort of an entitlement issue. I wonder. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I definitely yeah. think there's an element of that. I mean, you know, there's that whole idea. There's all this research that's been done about children, especially being anti-fragile, meaning mm. that they're not fragile, they're anti-fragile. And what that means is that they need obstacles and um, difficulties in life to become stronger. Like they Absolutely. actually can't, Absolutely. they don't actually become yeah. not fragile if you don't let them face obstacles. Right. And then I do think there was a huge movement not my generation but i think right after my generation where safety culture became a very yes. big thing where yes. we needed to constant yeah. the emphasis yeah. was always on making sure children felt safe yes. like even even i know this is like a big thing but like you know participation trophies like yeah. what the heck is a participation <laughs> trophy everyone gets a trophy but why did yeah. they get that it's yes. it's kind of like that entitlement yeah. thing where like yeah Parent, but par it was parents. To be fair, it wasn't the children themselves. It was the parents who were getting angry, yep. complaining to the school, saying, you know, my little Charlie came home crying because he didn't get an award, even though he tried his best. Yep. Why doesn't he get an award? And they were complaining. So then the schools didn't want to piss off the parents. And so they're giving them participation awards and everybody's a winner. And it does not prepare them for real life where not everybody is a winner. No, you know, no, it really, and, and you're right. I think a lot of times it's the parents that, that are the reasons why the kids don't have grit. And they're struggling in life as a result of it and you know because they live a, a safe protective life and they always feel like they're winning at something and it's that remember the the meet the parents episode where <laughs> when he went to go meet the parents the uh you know the fockers ben down Stiller? in south florida yeah, yeah. yeah. and then they look at his trophy case and <laughs> second place third place fourth place fifth place 16th place yeah it's like all these things and, and then robert De Niro's like wow i've never seen so much awards for mediocrity <laughs> no that's exactly what it is but we have bred an entire generation and yeah. rewarded them for mediocrity so exactly. if, if mediocrity gives you an award why even push yourself to excel exactly right exactly. i mean talking about parenting so my parents live in seoul and they yeah. just um came here last weekend and they're going to be staying with me for a month and a half nice we're like eating popeyes i love popeyes by the way popeyes the best amazing popeyes. popeyes and i jokingly said something to my mom like just in passing as a joke about how like you did this to me and now I had to I had to spend my entire 30s like purging it from my life because of the bad parenting you did ha 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 but I was joking she my mom got so triggered we had a big blown we literally had a full-blown argument in the middle of our Popeye's dinner I think Lila was trying to put her face into her mashed potatoes like she was so uncomfortable what was John doing what was John doing oh John quietly gathered the kids and left like my dad also <laughs> left. my dad also left like I Jay just John. left John's let us man, just like dude. duke it out it went three hours it was a three-hour oh argument. that's so funny um about 
you know, and like, but my mom basically said to me at the end of it, she said, the thing is, it's a very sensitive topic for me as a parent, if you start picking at my parenting, because mm. I'm already very aware of how I failed my children. Wow. And she said, even at church, when they have parenting seminars, she leaves because she can't stand to sit there. And, and now as a 65 year old, she sees all the ways that she didn't do parenting, right? Wow. And she feels so badly that she didn't impart the right godly wisdom and knowledge as a parent. And she's like, I definitely tried my best. But now that I'm 65 and look at myself as a 35 year old, like there were so many things I did wrong. And yes, by the grace of God, like you guys turned out much better than I ever could have. But yeah. I think as a parent, she still feels very sad when she revisits some of those things that she gave us. And so she got so triggered, like wow. so triggered. So, you know, Yes, we're like making fun of parents of the Generation Z children, but parenting is hard, man. And it's like, hard. I don't want to completely hard. throw them under yes. the bus. You know, I That's think right. they thought they were doing the right thing. That's right. That's you know? right. They thought they okay. were doing the best for their children. Anyways. Well, well, speaking of parenting, actually, no, there's nothing I can say. <laughs> actually, for me, there might be. There actually will be. But uh, today, what we want to talk about is Jesus's commandments. Uh, I wanted to find out what are some of the commandments that Jesus talks about in the Gospels, Sua, that you struggle to obey. And I'm going to share with you mine, some of the commandments in the Bible that I struggle to obey. And I thought, and I thought we can kind of have some kind of a fun play with that and, and kind of see. And I'm sure as you're listening, uh, I'm sure there are commandments that you struggle with as well. But I think it's important to understand, like, you know, which ones do we actually need to grow in? Which one do we need to work on? I think it's, I think it is key for us to start thinking, well, how can I get better at this? Because commandments are not optional. Right? Commandments yeah, yeah. are expectations that Jesus has that he wants you to fulfill and obey. And, uh, you know, in John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. don't love me, then you will not obey me. And Jesus is not sitting on his throne and saying, I want you to obey me because I want you to, you know, affirm that I'm your king. No, it's 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 relational. There is a relationship yeah. that yeah. Jesus longs for with us. And when there is a lack of obedience in a relationship, there just won't be a healthy relationship. It's like any any kind of relationship, right? I mean, when I first got married with Jenny, she wanted me to always put the toilet seat down after I peed. And I kept forgetting out of habit, Sue. I just kept forgetting. And there was moments when she was like, I don't think you love me because I'm asking you to do this and you're not listening to me. And you know what she said to me? She said, you need to start peeing sitting down. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but, are you? Okay, but can I just say, John sometimes, he hasn't re recently, but a lot of times he would leave the toilet seat up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And do you know what happens? You fall in? I walk in there and I literally fall in. <laughs> My butt falls into the freaking toilet water. It's gross. So, yes. you know, it's really gross. Okay. So, uh, so now 23 years later, I do that. And you, just, you, just, you pee sitting down now? Is that what I it do, is? I, I do that sometimes too. So it's like, especially in the middle of the night. <laughs> Because I'm telling you, Sua, in the middle of the night, it's too hard to stand and pee. Also, it just, it's like, it, like, also, can I just say, like, toilets are not made for six foot four. Exactly. So, like, it's really high. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's a urinal in our office. And there's there's four, like, single bathrooms in the office. Two are for women and two are for men. But one of the bathrooms for the men is a urinal. But I didn't even recognize this because <laughs> everyone thought guys can't use that urinal and i'm like why not I is it use so it. high it's so high 
and and so nah and oh and becca is saying peter you're the only one in this church that's going to be able to use it's this like urinal custom made for you because what they ended up using that bathroom as was storage they put <laughs> all the toilet paper all the paper towels and i'm like guys what are you oh. doing we need another bathroom this is a urinal and they're like pp nobody can use this but you and so they cleared out everything and i feel like i have my own private bathroom <laughs> do that oh it's a it's an old it's oh, a okay. super super like 1970s people were shorter urinal. back then not taller yeah it, it, it's uh anyway. yeah they just they didn't care they didn't care but anyway so sua commandments so that's why like, it is it is important for us to do our best to obey the commandments jesus commands us to do certain things because he wants us to because that will nurture our relationship with him and the more we obey it the deeper our relationship with Jesus can go. And so anyway, what are some of the commandments that you struggle with? I'm starting it off. Of course you're going to start it off. Okay. Well, um, obviously all of them, all of them. No, because, because I, I think, don't know about all of them. No, no, no. If, if you take them literally yeah. the way they were given to Moses back in like the old Testament, yeah. then no, because like I have never actually worshiped another you know, idol or like yeah. literally tried to kill somebody or okay. coveted okay. somebody's. But if you put it in like the New Testament standard where yeah. it's all about the heart, then yes. like I've struggled with all of them in some way or another, yeah. right? But the one that I think, and this is not actually part of the Ten Commandments, it was one of like, I struggled with like the Great Commission. <laughs> Meaning, which is like the great commission. So like, it's like integral to like our faith as a Christian, <laughs> but I cannot seem to make, like go and make disciples. Like I can't evangelize. It's mm. really, really difficult for me. Mm. And the irony of it is it wasn't always difficult yeah. for me. Um, I actually, you know, what's interesting is I was thinking about this this week because in preparation for this podcast, um, I used to be a lot more vocal about yeah. being Christian. I used to have a lot less um, inhibition when it comes to sharing about my faith when I was like in high school and in college. Mm. And then I think somewhere along the way from grad school, which I went to a very liberal, like social work is a very liberal yeah. field. Um, and starting somewhere there to like working in like the secular world and like kind of my evolution there, even though I did for five years work as part of a church staff somewhere, it became really difficult for me to like openly share about my faith. Mm. Um, and I wonder, like, I started thinking about like why that happened, because I will tell you how bold I was about how bold, um, how bold. Were okay. You? Okay. Like what, this is one example. It's not really evangelism, but it's, it just goes to show you how uninhibited I was when it came to like talking about Jesus. Okay. When I was in college, I took a, um, a course on, I think it was called like ancient Israel and it, like Judaic studies. Like, I think that was like the course. It was like an elective. I was okay. just curious. Okay. And the guy who was teaching it was like the grand rabbi from somewhere in Brooklyn. Um, and he was teaching about um, the old, he was teaching about parts of like the old, old Testament prophets. Okay. And for our final assignment, he assigned us um, Isaiah 53. Oh. And I had to write this paper kind of like, you know, studying it and talking about it. It was like a 15 page paper. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not allowed to talk about Jesus in this paper. This is literally at like a he like a Judaic studies, like ancient Israel paper. So I write my 15 pages 
and I was going to submit it, but like, I just didn't feel right about it. I'm like, how the heck am I going to submit a paper on Isaiah 53 and not talk about Jesus? But I'm like, dude's like a freaking rabbi. You know, I'm clearly going to offend. He's the grand rabbi. He's the grand rabbi. <laughs> but then I was I like, you know what? I never knew it was such a thing. I was like, F it. I'm talking about Jesus. So <laughs> at the end of the f- 15 pages, I added an extra paragraph where it was basically like, so clearly this is talking about the Messiah. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is clearly Jesus? There's no other way to put this. You blah, go sua. And um, I was like, you know what? If I fail, I freaking fail. Like, I cannot in good conscience write this paper and not talk about Jesus. Wow. Okay? So I did it. He, I got an A minus. Um, you would have gotten an A, but you got, an, you got the well, minus because you put that. He said you did an excellent job until the last paragraph when you pigeonholed into <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> But you know what? I will gladly girl, take girl, my A minus. Team girl, you took one for the team. There you no, go. But, but here's the sad part. I don't think yeah. I would do that right now. Mm. Like I don't think it would even hurt my conscience to do something like that. Like I don't mm. think I have that fire where I feel like absolutely not like you know everything can go to hell. Like I will still because I think in some ways I my faith has become very tempered, and some of that I think has to do with um. When I was in college, yeah, we were taught by my the campus ministry that I was part of to share the gospel, yeah. and a lot of it was very formulaic, yeah, and very not relational. Yes, and a lot of what they told us to do was to go and pretend to become friends with somebody. Yeah, but your goal in that friendship is to make sure they come to the ministry. Yeah, like to bring yeah. them to the campus ministry that Friday. Yeah, and they did this. In the on the campus, they, this was also the model for when we went on overseas mission. You befriend people for the goal of yeah. making them come to our large group yeah. or like yeah. our, our you know plenary session or whatever. Um, and I believed it at the time because that's what they told us to do. But then I think as I kept doing that, like I think I became really cynical because yeah. I just didn't like that this was like this weird bait and switch where you know I'm pretending to become friends with you but at the end of the day my, I have an ulterior motive and I was told I was taught at least by my leaders I think at least that's what I was taught that this was the way to like this was okay like mm-hmm. it was okay to falsely befriend someone because the goal was noble like yeah. the the end goal was their salvation so it was yeah. worth it yeah but it just never quite s- like sat right with me yeah and then after that i think i just stopped doing it because i just mm. didn't believe in it anymore and then i it became almost like this 180 where i just stopped like i obviously if people still ask me like are you christian i'm totally yes i'm christian like i have a christian podcast like i work on church yeah. staff like i would never lie about it but it came to a point where i wouldn't like i no longer wanted to kind of share my faith and have like invite them to church because something about me felt like I was like a used car salesman or something. Mm. Like I was trying to sell something and I really didn't like that. Hmm. But that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Well, you know, I, I think in some ways it's a little bit of a reaction, I think, from college, from kind of what you, what your leaders kind of made you do. And I think it made you cynical about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you really believe Jesus is God and he's the Messiah, then people need to know that and people need to get to a place where they can, you know, receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior in that way so that they can live their life the best they can and be the best versions of themselves and all that kind of stuff. And the irony of it also was that, like, even though you don't, you say that you're not doing evangelism in, in, in this way, 
uh, I think you actually have a very high level of evangelism gift because of the fact that you are so likable and you're able to make friends friendships with just about anyone. And like, you know, if you're able to make those friendships, like for me, like how I see it today is, you know, I have friends who aren't Christians and I, I actually really do enjoy spending some time with them. And I always, I don't, you know, I invite them to church sometimes, you know, and that's just part, you know, I'm like, hey, come out to Easter or, or Christmas. But I think the big part is just, you know, like I try to, you know, be in a relationship with them. And there are moments when you're in a friendship relationship with somebody and they start opening up and sharing some difficult things in their life. And I have a friend, he's out in California and he's a Buddhist. And he, I mean, he had, before the vaccines were out, I mean, he had COVID really bad and he was mm -hmm. really struggling and all of that. And because we've been friends for so long and he listens to all of my sermons online and the guy is just, I mean, he's really- But he's a he's, Buddhist? He, he's a Buddhist. He's an amazing But he friend. listens to all your sermons? Because he wants to support me. And so he's just like, oh, I want to, you know, and oh, so- That's such he, a good friend. Oh, he's amazing. He's great friends with the family. Everyone calls him Uncle Nick and he's just a great guy. And in those moments when he was really struggling and he was in the hospital and he was really, really struggling, um, you know, I just connected with him and I just said, hey man, like, is it okay if I just pray for you? Like, and I just checked in on how he's doing and I just said, is it okay if I pray for you right now? And, you know, because we have that trusting relationship, mm -hmm. I don't think he would ever get to a place of saying, well, Peter's trying to convert me. No, I th he, he's gotten to the place where he realizes, well, Peter's a pastor, he believes in God, and he, you know, he thinks this can help. And I, when he was at that desperate point, he was more than happy to say, please mm -hmm. pray for me. And mm -hmm. I didn't, I prayed for him. And so, you know, I think that's the way evangelism should be, just as you're in relationships with someone, you're not necessarily like trying to figure out a way to get an in and talk about Jesus. But I think as you're in that relationship, they see you living your life the best you can. And hopefully it's, there is a differentiation between their life and your life in terms of how you live it because you have Christ and the Holy Spirit inside of you. Um, I, I, hopefully that will open up conversations, but also in their times of need when they're really struggling, those are great moments when you can just say, hey, do you mind if I just pray for you? You know, and those I think can be doors that could be open where maybe you can share. So I actually think you have a gift to do this. And I hope that perhaps maybe, you know, after the podcast, you'll realize, oh, maybe, yeah, I can just maybe pray for open doors and just opportunities where I could talk more about my faith and just pray for people. I know that we live in a day and age where everyone respects prayer. And, you know, we live in a time where, mm -hmm. you know, people believe in a higher being. So when you say, I will pray for you, I know people would definitely appreciate that. I'd be shocked if one of your friends were like, please don't. Please I will say it is interesting, though, because we do live in a time where everyone is saying they're spiritual. You know, you've heard right. this, right? Like, it's, I'm not religious, but mm -hmm. I'm like spiritual. Yeah. Um, also, I do think it's much easier to talk about God than to talk about Jesus specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone kind of when you say God, they're like, yes. But then as soon as you talk about like Jesus, I think yeah. it does become a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so but you, I mean, I think you're right in the sense that I am like. I'm like a generally likable person. Like I make yeah. friends pretty easily. Um, and I did for a long time kind of rationalize my not um, sharing my faith with other people yeah. by saying, yeah, but I'm doing it organically. Like I'm yeah. doing it relationally. And I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's wrong. But that's not wrong at all. I think there comes a time when the Holy Spirit says, you need to talk about it. Yes. And yes. I need to obey and not yes. say, but Jesus, or but God, yeah. like, I, but what about my friendship? Like, yeah. God, they're going to think I'm yeah. X, Y, and Z. And I think there comes a time when even if I think that person's going to think I'm a crazy nut, yeah. whether they do or yeah. not. Yeah. That's irrelevant. If yeah. God calls me to do it in that moment, I think I need to be obedient and do yeah. it and yeah. not 
think so much about what others view of me yeah. or what my friendship, what that means to my friendship and value more, um, you know, their own, their personal yeah. relationship, their possible future relationship with God. Yeah. And you I know, think I, that's the part that's hard. Yeah. I, I, so I would say like step one would really just be, you know, like, because you have friends who aren't Christians, right? Sua, like you have yeah, friendships. I have a lot of friends who are not Christian. And I think that's Christian. fantastic. I, I, I do think one of the most important step ones for all of us is this, just pray for them. Just pray mm -hmm. that they would come to know Jesus Christ. That's like the most basic thing we could do. And the more you do that, I think the more God may open up a door where there can be a nice organic conversation where you can have that. Or if they're going through a real difficult time in their life, that you can, you know, um, share about your faith and how God has really helped you in your life when you've gone through some hardships and things like that. And so I do think that there, there are ways to do that. It was so interesting because I, every year, I, you know, you know, I do this big bike ride up to Maine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's this one guy um, who, who I met at my gym. Um, he's Hindu. And he, he's been, he, he did the last two years he rode with us. And I was so shocked earlier this year. I mean, he's Hindu and he's a practicing Hindu. Uh, he actually came to church and oh. he, and I was like, whoa. Did he just come like, to like support you? Yes. He's like, what? I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I, I just wanted to come and support you, man. And I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, you know, again, he knows I'm a pastor. He knows what I do. And he just was very interested. And he sat for the entire service and listened to my sermon, you know, when I was preaching that Sunday. And so, you know, I just think that there's ways in how you can just love on people. And a lot of times your actions will do a lot of the talking more than just what you say with your words. But I do think words are important, though. And there they, they will come a time where you may have to, you know, share and, and, and be bold about it. So and and I, I think, don't um, think if you, if you have a relationship yeah. with someone and a real trusting relationship, I don't think they'll ever think, what are you doing? Why, why are you saying this? You know, and stuff, I think because yeah, I think some of it you. is really in my head. And I think a lot yeah, of it is because yeah. I think so. OK, so part of it's it's interesting. I'll tell you something very interesting. When I was living in New Jersey, like mm -hmm. you know, that New York City suburb, it's a very different like climate than Ohio is. So Ohio is still the Midwest and yeah. a lot of people still go to church on Sundays. Yeah. Um, and before here I was in Charlotte, which is the Bible belt. Yes. It um, is. And so it's been very interesting seeing how um, the idea of being a Christian is differently received in different geographical areas. Yeah. So it was actually much harder for me. Like for example, when I was in social work school, it was, borderline impossible for me to say I'm a Christian and not get a lot of people angry Yeah, um, yeah. because it's a very progressive and liberal. Yeah. And, you know, I had a lot of friends who were LGBTQ and they would look, if I say I am a church going Christian, they would straight look at me and say, you are my enemy. Like you are the reason why I can't get my rights. Like you are the people who are, you know, standing in front of the churches with like protest signs saying we're going to hell. Like they would look at me. And so it was very, difficult versus yeah. it's really weird here most people that i know go to church yeah. like they might not and here's what i find interesting sometimes i think there's an emphasis on evangelism of people of different religions or people who are atheists but i actually think there's a lot of people who go to church here who actually have no clue who jesus is mm. and they just go because it's what their parents did it's a cultural they, thing they go yeah. because it's yeah. the culture but yeah. sometimes when i talk to them and i see how they perceive their lives or the way they perceive the world, it's pretty clear pretty quickly that they actually also need evangelism. Yeah. <laughs> like even though they go to church every yeah. Sunday. And obviously yeah. they're positioned in a place that's much more receptive or much more um like 
close yeah. to being in a relationship with Jesus. But I think, you know, it should be said that sometimes it's also people in the church, like your friendships within the church that sometimes also need to hear about Jesus because yes. they also are missing that yeah. link, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, I do know you're discipling at least two people right now in your life and it's your daughters. Yeah, those disciples are very obstinate. <laughs> I really hope I'm not like my mom in like your youngest, 30 years your being like, disciple I can't listen so to parents cute. for seven hours. Yeah, yeah your youngest disciple. Up my she children. Said, I was she made my day. She said hi to me before we started this podcast. So and she gave me a thumbs up. I'm like, how's your day? She gives me a two thumbs up. I'm like, oh, that's so cute, adorable. Lila does still refer to you as like the very tall giant. Does she remember me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh I mean, you're very to hard her. to forget. Okay. Your okay. visual by itself is extremely memorable. <laughs> you just like tower over. I just, man, I just wish you could have given us, you could have donated 2% of your tall genes to our family. Um, I would my, more than happily do that. I would more than happily do that. so short. It's okay. Don't worry. They'll be fine. Anyways. All right. Let's talk go. about, let's talk about, let's talk about me. Your uh, sins. So my, <laughs> not my sins. No, no, sorry. That I, girl, what, what, what kind of podcast do you think oh, this is right now? That was a Freudian slip. We should. That was a Freudian slip. Yeah, we should. We should. We'll have a podcast about Let's do some sin confessions. But anyway. Oh, um, my God. What's but wrong for with me, me, the commandment I think that I struggle with the most, I mean, I guess, you know, we could, I could say like lust and things like that, you know. Um, but I would say that, you know, I've raged war on some of those things. And I think when I say rage war, I have some people that keep me accountable. And I think I'm in a good place with those things in my life. I would say the thing that I struggle with the most, the commandment that I struggle with the most is honoring your mother and your father. Well, honoring your mother, because my father has passed away. Um, I struggle with that sometimes, mm -hmm. like honoring my mother. My mother, I love her. I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for her. She literally sacrificed her mm -hmm. life when my father was physically beating her down to a pulp. And she wanted to leave the house when we were little kids because she couldn't handle the beatings anymore. And she decided to stay because she knew that if my father would to be the only one to parent us, that he would probably end up killing us. Wow. So she stayed. She made those kinds of sacrifices. My mother will sacrifice anything for our family. Anything. It doesn't matter. She will gladly suffer physically. Like that's just the kind of person she is. My kids love her because she raised my mom helped raise the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she does everything for them. And so she's an incredibly sacrificial person. Um, I can't say enough good things about her in that way. So I do love her. I feel horrible for the life that she had to live with my mm -hmm. father. Uh, my mother is not educated. She started working at a button factory when she was nine years old and a match factory when she was nine years old in Korea because her grandparents were not able to support her. She was an orphan and uh, and things like that. And so there was a lot of sad things about my mother and, and all that stuff. So, you know, my mom had to work hard. She lives with a lot of stigma, like she's not educated. Like her dream, she told me one day was she wishes she could join the choir because she loves worship. And I'm like, she's Mom, never been part of the choir because Korean no. churches always have a choir. Well, they do. And her church has an amazing choir. And I just said, Mom, why, why don't you want to yeah, be? Why didn't she do it? Because she struggles to read. Oh. And she didn't want to struggle publicly. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. And it almost brought tears to my eyes because I just thought, Mom, come on. So like her education level is probably like mm. fifth, fourth, fifth grade level, mm. um, you know, and stuff. When she reads, she reads the Bible every day, but it takes her hours to read mm. through it, you know, because she wants to get everything and so she's working through it and stuff like that. And so I think she lives 
she's always lived this perpetual marginalized life, whether it's done through my father or the way she sees herself and all that stuff. So I see all of that stuff and I have a heart and compassion and love for her, um, you know, in that way. I do try to travel with her when I'm traveling for different trips, especially when I'm going overseas. I bring my mom with me a lot of times. You know, in many ways, I'm a mama's boy and I'll bring her with me, right? So those are like the good things about yeah. her. But I will say the other thing about the thing about my mom, she is one of the most annoying people what do you mean? Oh, what do you mean annoying? My mother is a fundamentalist Christian. Fuck. Like she will come to my house and she will look and she'll be like, oh my God, look at the wine in this house. And I'm just like, what's the big deal? Like we have wine once in a while. Like she's like, well, Christians should not be drinking. And I was like, but Jesus drank wine. He's like, no, 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 no. He never drank wine. And so like she would like find these verses in Proverbs, like you should not get drunk and stuff like that. She's like, read this, read this, read this. And so she like, like she gets very angry with me. And then if God forbid, if I'm drinking in public, like, like if I'm, if I have people over the house for like a, like a Thanksgiving celebration and we're, and I'm drinking in front of everyone, like God forbid, she is like flipping, she's getting upset because I'm drinking and stuff like that. So there's this annoyance because she never stops hmm. bugging me and nagging me about that. So there are times where I've lost my cool and I've just yelled at her, disrespect her, you know, things like that, and um, and just lose my cool with her. Because if there's anyone who can get under my nerves, it's my mother. My mother can find ways where she can truly, truly get under my nerves. And then I feel terrible about it afterwards. You know, and I'm just like, oh, I feel so bad that I said this or that I did this, you know, to her. And and things like that. And so I know that I don't honor her. There are times where I really do struggle to honor her. And if you were to maybe even ask my kids, they would probably agree with that. They would say, Dad, I've seen you. Like, you don't honor Grandma sometimes, you know. And, uh, and if even my wife would probably say that too because, you know, they kind of see me get upset with her and, and uh, I'll yell at her sometimes in front, of, in front of my kids and I know that's wrong. But sometimes she just has a way of pushing my buttons in such a way that I just, it gets under my skin in such a way. And I realize that it's a real big problem. And, uh, and I have to do better at honoring my mother, even though she can be incredibly annoying, but also very judgmental. Judgmental, you know, towards me, you know, yeah, towards I just other keep people. Like you're so. describing your mom as annoying. Like, that's something like just like a mosquito or something. She's you know annoying. what I'm saying? Like, She's it's like, so oh, my annoying. mom is so annoying. If my sister was listening to this podcast, she'd be like, amen to that. Yeah. I'm telling you, my mom is a constant nagger. Wait, does she annoy your sister too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, does my she mother's... say that her, like, she gets annoyed well, by your mom? I would say her relationship with my sister is very different, different? than my relationship with her because my mother kind of controls her. And my mother has a very strong um, role in her life in some ways. So, yeah, you know, but I But, think I mean, as a daughter, I will say, not to, like, rush to the defense of your sister, yeah. but to rush to the defense of your sister, <laughs> I think mothers and daughters, especially, like, the older you are, like, yeah. older sibling, like, in that generational pattern, like, in the uh, birth order, it's really hard to not let what your mother says kind of really oh, yeah. influence your life like it's really hard to extricate She's, yourself you know, from that I, I think my sister has you know because over the years my sister's the oldest in the family she's had mm -hmm. to basically you know if in many ways she had to be the parent in the family because when you know at, at middle school she was going and being the interpreter for my parents all yeah, the time so she was doing hard. she i mean she really didn't have a childhood because of my parents you right. know because right. they came to this country and they couldn't communicate she had to like call 
you know, the, the utility companies and she had to do like, you know, court stuff and talk to different people. And so she had to become an adult when she was a little kid. And so she always said to me, I never had a teen, I never had a childhood. But because of that kind of relationship she had with my mother or my father, um, it's not a, it's not necessarily like this healthy relationship. And so I think uh, in some ways, yeah. Uh, but I think my sister would definitely agree that my mother can be incredibly annoying, but more like nagging. She never stops nagging. And my mother is very judgmental. She's a fundamentalist Christian. I, mean, I, th I think she's a product of her environment. And the Korean yeah. Christian church, a lot of times, especially of that generation, I think they're like primary like primary source of everything was judgmental, fundamental judgmentalness. Yeah. So, um, I, so I, I just think like in many ways for me, um, you know, the person, I think the command that I struggle with the most would be that I think, okay, but can know, I ask you something? Yeah. I always say this, like, can I ask you something? Yes. And you always say yes, but, um, I'm going to ask you something. I only say this because I, I kind of know from what you've said, previously in your sermons and things like this um you're the youngest you're yes. the only boy yes you would have to agree that your mom had a special affection for you right oh 100 um, and she 100%. didn't probably even try to hide it um no. you were sick so obviously for like when you were a baby yes. so i think there is a special kind of place when parents have a child who's somewhat weaker well, like i think my, there's a special affection there yeah but my sisters would clearly say that my mother favored me like way ahead of them okay they would, they would all say that that's why when we were younger because i was a boy too it wasn't just right. because i right. was uh, you know i Very was korean sick, yeah but because i was a boy so you know what my sisters did when i was young they dressed me up as a girl <laughs> They put like a you know, dress on me, and I you was might say kid. that's trauma for you, but that stems from their probably own exactly. trauma. Exactly, not get getting preferential treatment. You, they would say stuff like, "Wow, Peter, you look amazing in that dress." <laughs> I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> you know, I was so young, and they're like, "Yeah." You're like, "Hey, how about we put a little makeup on you?" I'm like, "Okay," and they'll start putting nail polish makeup, and it's like, "Oh my god!" And so they did this. Deep down, this is their way of getting back at me because okay, but... I was mom's favorite. Do you think? Again, I am not grouping every single Korean male, like grown male that I know, but I have seen enough grown Korean men yes. to know that a lot of times, I'm just going to be very honest, you guys are really spoiled. You guys yes, were we really are. spoiled as kids. Oh, I, and I, I think I that yes. if, if in some ways, if you're very, like, if you're very spoiled, Okay, I'm going to use my husband as an example, okay? Yes. I'm sorry, John. John, He's John much I'm better you, John. now. John, syndrome. That's the youngest. The youngest my husband and is, boy. has also two older sisters and yes. he's a baby and Just he's like the me. only son. But not only that, his sisters are like 9 and 11 years older than him. Wow, that's So that's he's a major. like a baby. He was like yes. the bonus baby, okay? Aww. His mom makes like it very clear that her youngest is her favorite. Mm -hmm, like she mm -hmm. says this straight up to my children, yes. like your dad's my favorite. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, John and was spoiled. Grit, I bet from the sis the sisters have built well, grit because of that. John was spoiled rotten. Like if mm. there was food at the table that was like the best food, his mom would be like, nobody else eat it. Only John can eat this. Me too. Okay. 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 Now. John, I get you, brother. <laughs> can we just talk about the fact that what are you communicating to your child at that point? That you are the king. Like you are more important than anybody else at this table. Yes. Right? Yes. Then that person grows up 
And now you're supposed to honor your mom. But the mom is the one who literally has been communicating to you with nonverbal cues that you are better than her. Yes. Like yes. you, your, my needs don't matter. It's only your needs that matter. So it's really then difficult to transition into this oh, relationship where suddenly. Hey, that's nice. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Sua, that's deep. Yeah, because my husband, I've been trying to think yeah. about why he's like this. Because, okay, I'll give you an example. Wait, so does John struggle to honor his mom as well? Yes, mom oh. and dad, mom and dad. dad Sua, this is great. So maybe it's not my just my sinful nature. Part of this is because my mother. No, it's definitely your sinful nature. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'll give you. Okay, so there was one time I came You're over to your house. You're enabling me right now. I came over to your house for dinner. Um, hopefully, I'm allowed to share the story. What, we can edit it this? out of you. This was a while ago. This was like before I left. Okay. Um, when I was still on staff. Oh, it's when Kobe was licking John's leg so much. <laughs> oh my god! It was like matted to his leg. Yes. No, so yes, I yes. came to your house, and I think your mom like threw on her back or something like that, because she was hmm. hauling like bags of fertilizer into her or like soil or something into no, her she, house. No, she tore her meniscus on her yeah. knee. There you go. Okay. Yes, it. Yeah. So then I remember I was talking to Jenny, your wife, and I'm like, someone, yeah. like, what happened? And then your wife, Jenny, was like, well, you know, J Peter is flipping out at his mom saying, why are, are you stupid? Like, why are you taking this by yourself? Like, you're like 70 years old or whatever. Like, why do you think you can do this for yourself? But Sua, the reason why she does it herself is because if she asks Peter, he'll say, I'm too busy and he won't do it. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, God. <laughs> And that was the moment I was like, oh my gosh, he's John. Like That's he's exactly right. John. That's John. exactly what John would do. John, and then he would get mad at her. John, you and I need to have a Yellowstone <laughs> premiere watching party together, right, brother? Like with no, cowboy hats. You guys hats need to have a, a confession of sin to each other. Not be watching Yellowstone. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Come on. Oh my anyway. God. That's right. You know what? It's hard to honor your mother or your parent if they've spent their whole lives honoring you like king yes they've been honoring you all their lives the oh pattern my is goodness. set Sua, that is so good thank it's, you i mean if you want to talk about entitlement and the thing is i don't think it's entirely you guys' fault yeah because all your life they've been honoring you hmm. as the son and then suddenly the script is flipped and now you're suddenly supposed to be able to honor them. It's really difficult it without Jesus. It's really difficult. It really is. It really is. You know? And I got, I have, and that's why, and that explains why my sister has a harder time standing up to my mother mm -hmm. than I do because yeah. my mother's honored me. So it's easy for me to talk back to yep, her and sort exactly. of differentiate myself from her. But my sister can't do that because she's exactly. never been honored like that by my mom. Oh, snap. That's exactly that what it so is. Much. It's the family patterns you were the yeah. king she treated you right. like you were the most yep, important yep. whatever you wanted was it yeah and yep. then suddenly now that you're mature and old you can't suddenly say okay now it's you yep. you that's important because the life like the family's patterns have been set it's over. it's it's been so incredibly hard and and you know and i think yeah a lot of people are like man i hate peter now with listening to this <laughs> I can't believe you can't honor his mom. He's such a spoiled brat. No, I and think so, a lot of people will be able to relate. Yeah, some of our listeners are going to be like, yep, that's my brother. My brother was like that growing up in the house, you know, and stuff. <laughs> but uh, but no, but but I really do. I, I my, my One of my goals in life is to make sure I do my best to honor her at all times. And, um, and also, like, one of her things that she wants to do is she wants to travel a lot. Like, she wants... You know, she tells me she has maybe like, she's 77 years old. She has maybe like, you know, five to 10 more years. Like she feels like she can still get on a plane and travel mm. anywhere around the world. 
and uh, and she says that she really would love to see more of the world because when she sort of has been introduced to different parts of the world, like took her to Africa, South Africa one year, she just mm-hmm. said, "This is Korea back in the seventies." Mm. And you know, she she said to me recently again, she said, "You know, please, Peter, before before I die, would you please take me to South Africa one more time?" And I oh, said, wow. "You got it." She has Mom. a heart for South Africa. Oh, she she said that if she could communicate in English, she would be a missionary out there. She would wow. live there. Yeah, like she would just love, like she would work at, like in an orphanage or someplace. She could like make food for people and cook. And she goes, "I would love to do that. Like I would just love to live out there." Because she just loved South Africa so much. Wow. And anyway, but yeah, so I think that's part of it. But I think the bigger thing is, is like just you know, my mother's a widow. She lives by herself. She's a high extrovert. And I do get sad because, you know, um, you know, she doesn't want to be a burden to us. And so she's very sensitive about staying over for dinner and things like that, even though I know she really wants to. And my mother, likes, she's like in this place of where she always is about self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's sad because she, you know, she has friends. She has a good social life, but she doesn't go out every day, you know, and stuff like that. And, uh, and so she's home a lot of times she's by lonely. herself, especially on the weekends. Yeah. Because on the weekends, you know, all of her friends, families come over and so yeah. they don't spend weekends. So she's by herself, you know. And so I feel terrible, you know, about that, you know. And there's parts of me where I'm just like, man, I... You know, I wish I could, I could, you know, offer her more and I could do more. But at the same time, I, I know that there has to be a healthy balance between my mother and my relationship with Jenny, you know, and stuff like that as well. Because I realize that if I, if I also, you know, focus too much on my mom, then it's going to affect my relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. And that can't. My, my relationship with my wife has to be more important as well, um, you know, and stuff like that. So there, there's just a healthy, delicate balance there. But it's, it's hard. And, and, I, and I, I, I would probably, you know, say that out of all the commandments that, that Jesus talks about, God talks about, and especially in the Ten Commandments, my, the one that I struggle with the most, bar none, <laughs> honoring your mother. <laughs> honoring your mother. You know, so my kids would totally agree with that, you know, I think. But, uh, but yeah, but Sue, I never thought about that. What you just brought up, that's pretty deep. And that's why it's so much easier. It helps me to understand my sisters better. It helps me to understand myself um, and things like that. So thank you, Sue. Well, that was really good. No, I mean, good. again, I don't know if it's like 100% accurate. That's just what I've been thinking with watching my husband. Because it's not that my husband doesn't love his parents. My husband loves his parents really deeply. Yeah. But sometimes when I see the way they interact... It's mm. kind of like, who is the parent here? Yeah. You know, like that's kind of like the impression that I get is like, who's in charge? Yeah. And yeah, obviously in, on some level, like John is an adult, he's in charge of his own life. Yeah. But it's just almost like his parents kind of um, submit to John's yeah. authority in many ways. Yeah. And he's more dominating. And I always found that so odd because that's not the kind of dynamic I have with my own parents. Yeah. Like, it's it actually was really hard for me to purge myself or extricate myself from always caring about what my mom thought about me. Like this was like something that was nagging me all the time. Like I just mm. needed to know what my mom thought. Like all huh. the time. And to the so point you, when I first got would married. Say that too, probably. Yeah. When I first got married, John used to say things like, Why do you care more about what your mom says than what I say? Like it, it used to be very interesting. Um, mm. and he would say, Why don't you come? Why don't you come to me for advice? Why do you go to your mom for advice mm. first? Hmm. Um, and it was always like the three of us were in like a relationship and it was only until until after like my parents literally physically moved to Korea that I think in a weird way, it was a blessing in disguise, even though I was extremely sad that they left. I think that was when John and I really became a unit because there wasn't that extra third person with their opinions and their Hmm. thoughts on our lives. And so I think in 
the end, like it was because in Korean families, especially there's such an unhealthy enmeshment. So much enmeshment. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. way too much yeah. enmeshment. And it's just, uh, I think it's that with every immigrant family, mm-hmm. uh, when you immigrate to a, another country and it's just enmeshment is at a whole different level. Oh yeah. And you can't help it. It's just part of the immigrant family story. But, uh, but that's interesting, you know, that, that, that you say that because that's like what you, what you just said is so indicative, I think, of what my sister goes through, mm. you know, and stuff. And so I think, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's really, you know, that's, I might just be like the oldest child kind of a thing, the oldest daughter uh, thing as well. Can I ask you, did your, did your mother and father kind of like honor your brother when he was growing up because he's the boy? No, because, but then again, this is a bit of a different, it's mm. actually very funny. It's a totally different generation. So even, even jo- oh, between right, John's young. parents and my gener, like my yeah. parents, yep. John's dad is 82 yeah. and my mom's only yeah. 66. Yeah. So that's See, already a different generation. Yeah. My father-in-law, mother-in-law is the same way. They never did that with their son. Mm-hmm. And so it's completely like, yeah. And because they're younger, it's the generation. You're right. But, it's generation. but my grandpa did. Because when I was hmm. young and my grandpa used to live in Guatemala, he used to live Guatemala. actually in the factories. He would come visit us in America. This is so funny. So they told us, they told me, because my grandpa would bring my brother all of these gifts, yeah, like toys and crayons and like all this stuff, like video games. And he would never bring me anything. That's and my mom up. and my dad would always say, you know, like Harabaji, like grandpa, he lost the suitcase with your presence on the airplane. Oh my God. But they said this to me multiple times. And I, here's how dense I am. I believe them. Like (laughs) I believe them every single time. (laughs) Be like, wow, I I just can't believe this happened again. What a coincidence. And literally I was like 25 or something when my mom once mentioned something about how my grandpa used to give preferential treatment to my brother and he would only bring toys for my brother. (laughs) And I literally was like, no, remember he lost his, oh, (laughs) (laughs) I was like 25 when I finally realize wait a minute oh my no, he did not lose that 16 too much. suitcases over the course of 10 years much. wow um so yeah that's there crazy. is definitely a difference in the way different, my grandpa treated yeah. us that's right that generation that's yes. not, that's my father yes. and my mother's generation interesting okay well yeah so that is my my the commandment that i struggle with the most and so i wonder what your what's the commandment that you struggle with the most would you comment on that uh social media or you can actually share it with us you can email us on the website at weekpastor.org or you, uh yeah just share with us what are the, what is a command maybe that you struggle with and uh we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions any thoughts about that or if you also have any uh thoughts and questions about uh different types of shows that you would like us to do we love to entertain those ideas but we just want to thank you so much for listening to us please have a great day and we'll talk to you next week thank you bye